Eucharistic miracles? Are they from God or the devil? That's the message I have for you today. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, shortly after I got saved, you know, my wife Kathy and I, we left the Catholic Church. And during that point in time, we were part of the charismatic movement, which was part of the Catholic Church. Uh, don't be fooled by that, by the way. They, when you hear about charismatic Catholics, they're still 100% Roman Catholic to the core. So don't be fooled thinking that they're, they're not really Catholic and so on and so forth. And all this talk about the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, many people get seduced and roped in by that type of thing. They still pray to Mary. In fact, when I was part of the um, charismatic part of the Catholic Church, my prayers <laughs> increased uh, to Mary. So, folks, it's deception. It's, 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 it's nothing but deception. So uh, that's what I want you to know. So after we uh, left the church, shortly thereafter, we got a, a little letter in the mail and uh, from one of the uh, ladies, nice lady, sweet lady from this charismatic Catholic group, and she sent us a thing explaining uh, this article. She sent us a clip from a newspaper, and it was about a Eucharistic miracle. And there was a picture on it, and the story was about this Eucharistic host turning into the uh, flesh and blood, which they believe is Jesus Christ. So it was actually real blood and real flesh. And, and Kathy and I, we were like, whoa, you, you, whoa, this is, this, this is something, you know? But you know what that was, folks? It was the devil trying to rope us back in to that way of thinking, but it didn't work. Glory to God. You see, the word of God set us free. The truth of the scriptures is what liberated us from that type of thing. And that's what I'm going to be dealing with here today. You need to know, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, they teach in the Roman Catholic Church uh, when they have a sacrifice of the Mass, the Roman Catholic priests, they do what is known as transubstantiation, the consecration of the host. And they believe that when they do that, after that is complete, that the uh, body blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ lie within that wafer host. I'm going to put a, an image up on a screen. We, we've done this before. That's uh, What you're looking at is a monstrance, and in the center of that monstrance is what is known as a host. That's the Eucharist. In fact, the word host means victim. So when they offer up a sacrifice of the Mass, which they do, uh, thousands of times every day all over the world. They believe they're offering up the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Oh, yes, they do. So, and if you don't believe that, you are under a curse. And I'm going to talk about that too. So I want to let you know that you cannot bring Christ down from heaven, ladies and gentlemen. Christ died on the cross, buried, rose again, and then he ascended up into heaven. He cannot be brought down and put on a Roman Catholic altar again. So don't forget that. Colossians 3 and 1, it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So as I said, folks, Christ is risen. He paid the price. No more sacrifices. No more uh, Catholic mass can, can offer up uh, the sacrifice, uh, uh, and so on and so forth. It's not true. 
Christ is sitting in the right hand of God. Romans 8, 34, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. So these are things that you need to know. Keep in mind, take a look at that uh, monstrance. Uh, once again, you, you, you're looking at that host, that wafer host in the middle. They believe that is Jesus Christ. Oh, yes, they do. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. So as we're talking here today about Eucharistic miracles, it's important that you know that because that's what they believe when the so-called miracles take place. They believe that that wafer host is Christ now turning into this blood and flesh of Christ himself. So that's what they say is taking place. So, uh, and if you don't believe these things, by the way, that that is actually Christ, then the Roman Catholic Church puts you under many, many curses that they instituted at the Council of Trent. I'm just going to read a few uh, once again here, ladies and gentlemen. This is from the Council of Trent, Session 13. Now, the Council of Trent was a response to the Protestant Reformation. What happened? Well, the, the, the Protestants were trying to get the Word of God into the hands of the common people so that they could read the Scriptures for themselves. And what was happening, as people were reading the Word of God for themselves, they were getting saved. They realized they didn't need the Roman Catholic Church. And this was during a time of great persecution, uh, I may say, folks. The Roman Catholic Church has put to death literally millions of people. They murder people because they don't agree with what they teach. And this is one of the main things when they would kill people. This was like the main point. And the Protestants did not believe that that wafer host was anything more than a symbol uh, representing the death of Christ. Absolutely, they refused to believe that that was him, uh, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And when they made that confession of faith, Rome tortured them in most barbaric fashion and then killed them, burnt them at the stake. Now think about that. In and of itself, as you look at that, you realize these people are not saved. All of these people that were torturing and murdering these people they were, they were probably most of them demon-possessed. They're in hell right now. I'm going to give it to you straight. They're in hell. And here they are putting to death people who were truly saved. They were truly born again of the Spirit. Is this not amazing stuff? Let's look at these curses. Canon 1, this is from Session 13. It says, If anyone denieth that in the sacrament of the Most Holy Eucharist are contained truly, really, and substantially the body and blood together with the soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, and consequently the whole Christ, but saith that he is only therein as in a sign or in figure or virtue, let him be anathema. Wow. Let him be anathema. That means let you be accursed. So they're saying, if you dare to say that this is only a sign or in a figure, and that it's, it's not actually him right there, really and substantially, the body and the blood, together with the soul and divinity, that, now that, I'd be under this curse, folks. And so would you. If you're, if you're a Christian, you've been born again of the Spirit, 
you're under this curse. There's no two ways about it. Let's get real here. So, you know, especially today, folks, in the day of this preaching of unity that's been going on for decades, and, and you rarely hear uh, anybody mention these things, they're working hand in hand with the, with the Church of Rome. So here you have these um, curses. These are on the books, folks. This is Catholic doctrine today in the 21st century. Don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. The Council at Vatican II upheld this council, folks. So don't be fooled, okay? You're hearing it straight. Canon number three. If anyone denied that in the venerable sacrament of the Eucharist, the whole Christ is contained under each species and under every part of each species, when separated, let him be anathema. You dare to say that's not him. Canon number six, if anyone saith that in the holy sacrament of the Eucharist, Christ, the only begotten Son of God, is not to be adored with the worship even external of Latria and is consequently neither to be venerated with a special festive solemnity nor to be solemnly borne about in processions according to the laudable and universal right and custom of holy church or is not to be proposed publicly to the people to be adored and that the adorers thereof are idolaters let him be anathema okay so i'll put another screenshot up there you, you see a priest carrying that monstrance okay that's this, this is exactly what it's talking about. So he's in a procession. Sometimes it's uh, through the streets. This is, this is common. You know, usually when I go through the streets or anywhere, actually, people will nail down as this thing is uh, going by them. So they venerate this. They worship this, folks. All right? Don't miss this. And it says right here, if you dare to say it shouldn't be publicly adored, or you say that they're idolaters, let you be a curse. So listen to me here today, folks. I am publicly stating to you today that everyone who worships this uh, Eucharist, this monstrance, and as it's carried, I'm telling you, you are an idolater. You are an idolater. If ever there was an idolater, you are that. Okay? So I'd be under that curse too. So And so would you. Unless you believe that as they go through... Uh, and carry this uh, monstrance like you see the priest on the screen. If you think that's cool, if you think that's Christ, well, then <laughs> then you're lost, okay? So I'm here to tell you today, as a former Roman Catholic, this is nothing but idolatry. And yet this is the doctrines of Rome that you see taking over, infiltrating many Protestant churches. I mean, they work hand in hand. It's, it's, it's really scary, folks. Very scary. So let's get... Uh, into this uh, miracle, I'm just going to look at this one miracle. It's called a miracle of Lanciano, and they uh, say it took place in the 8th century. I'm just going to read from a little article here. It says here, In the 8th century, a priest in Lanciano, Italy, was experiencing doubts about the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. In the middle of saying Mass, he said the words of consecration, this is my body, this is my blood, and saw the bread and wine transform into real human flesh and blood. The blood coagulated into five globules, later believed to be representative of the five wounds of Christ. Word of the miracle quickly spread. The local archbishop launched an investigation 
and the church approved the miracle. The flesh is still preserved to this day. Professor of anatomy Odorado Linoli conducted a scientific analysis of the flesh in 1971 and concluded that the flesh was cardiac tissue. The blood appeared to be fresh blood as opposed to blood that was 1,200 years old. And there was no trace of preservatives. Okay, so here we have a, a priest, you know, he's doubting, you know, is this the real presence of God? He's saying his mass, and during a mass, they say, this is my body, this is my blood. I've been to tons of masses. I was an altar boy. So this is, you know, the priest is lifting up, the host and so on and so forth. So as this priest was doing it, he says it turned into real human flesh and blood. So remember in my testimony, I said, you know, we came out of the Catholic Church. Somebody mailed us an article, something similar to what this is uh, talking about. Maybe it was the same. I, I really, I didn't save the article. I wish I did. <laughs> Maybe it was about the same thing. I don't know. Be because there have been tons of these so-called Eucharistic uh, miracles. So they're saying here it turned into uh, the blood and flesh, human flesh, right before his eyes. So the question is, is this a miracle, Eucharistic miracle, is it from God or is it from the devil? I can answer that for you. Folks, that is from the devil. It is from the pit of hell. I don't care if this man saw a hand coming out and, and shook his hand. I don't care if, if, if this angel appeared on an altar and said, that I am in the real presence. That's Christ in the real presence. I'm here to tell you today, it is from the pit of hell. It has nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was saved all those years ago, back in 1989. The Lord is the keeper of my soul. I came out of this type of thing, folks, this deception. Oh, yes. And it's a very, very dangerous thing when you get involved with this type of thing. This is witchcraft. This is spiritism. has nothing to do. You remember the fake miracles that the uh, magicians did, you know, when Moses would do a miracle, they would imitate whatever miracle he did up until a point where they couldn't do them anymore. It's witchcraft. And people are into this stuff, folks. And I'm here to tell you that every Eucharistic miracle is from the pit of hell. And, and up on the screen, you could see, you know, I'm going to put it up there. You see the picture uh, of that uh, device. It looks like a monstrance. It's made out of glass. And it appears to be anywhere is that, uh, metal uh, mixed with uh, almost looks like glass. But anyway, you could see on the top there, you'd see like a, a decayed piece of uh, bread, and they believe that's human flesh. That, that's the human flesh of Jesus Christ. And in that little jar at the bottom of, of the screen there, they believe that's the uh, coagulated blood. Okay? So can you imagine as people go to visit this place, folks, and this is, this is not unusual, things like this in the Catholic Church uh, with relics and, and all of that stuff, and then you can get into those counterfeit Marian apparitions. All of this weirdness, folks, has nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I speak to you, as I say, as a former Roman Catholic. So this is just one of those Eucharistic miracles. It might be the most famous one. I think it is, but I'm not quite sure. And I'll put another screenshot. It gives you a little closer view. On the left side, you see uh, the flesh, what they say is the flesh uh, of, of Christ, 
And on the right side, you see that jar that's holding uh, those five pieces, the uh, blood. They believe that's the blood of Jesus Christ. So people go here. They, they love stuff like this, folks. People are intrigued. You know why? Because they don't really study the Word of God. You know, I, I was into, not, I never went and saw anything like this, but when you hear about miracles and stuff like this, because you don't know the Word of God, it, it becomes exciting because it's supernatural. You're like, whoa, this is really something. You know, when, when uh, we were into that uh, apparition at Medjugorje, you'd hear these stories and people would be saying, my rosary beads, the chain between the beads, it changed from uh, silver to gold. And we'd be like, wow, awesome totally cool, until the Lord saved us and we realized we were being duped. So uh, this is the main point I want to show you. So when you think of these things, folks, remember transubstantiation. Uh, I'll show that priest carrying that uh, monstrance again in, in, in procession. So he thinks he's carrying Jesus Christ. Don't, don't let anybody tell you otherwise, folks. This is like, that's why they look so serious there. I, I, I've seen this, folks. Been in churches that do this, okay? So th th this is this they, this is the whole thing. And then sometimes they'll just have that thing set up where people will be adoring it all night. It's called nocturnal adoration. They'll be prostrate on the floor before that thing that they are claiming is Jesus Christ. The Bible says this in Galatians 1, verses 8 to 10, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. You see that, folks? The Roman Catholic gospel is a counterfeit gospel. So when you see stuff like this, folks, look at the monstrance on the screen. They're telling you that's Christ. It's not Christ. It's a piece of bread that's being carried by a man. That's it. End of story. The man carrying that, he needs to be saved. He needs to be born again himself. So the, this is the real deal you're hearing, ladies and gentlemen. You need to dig into the word of God for yourself. Acts 17, verses 10 and 11, it says, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness of mind, Listen and search the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. So that's how it was for me, folks. When I started reading the Bible, opening up the scriptures and comparing it to what the Catholic Church taught, including those Marian apparitions and the messages that came forth from there, I could see the contradiction. They both can't be true because they contradicted each other. And by God's grace, by the spirit of the living God, I knew it was time to leave. I chose to stay with the word of God, and the Lord opened my eyes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's, it's the truth, ladies and gentlemen, that set me free. So I'm going to leave you here with this next passage. It says here in the book of Romans, written by the Jewish apostle Paul, it says, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. 
that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me repeat that last word again. Saved. One more time. Saved. Okay. Folks, it's all about faith. You don't need a Eucharist. You don't need a priest. You don't have to go to the confessional book. I'm here to tell you today. Listen to me. You want, you want to be saved? You want the Holy Ghost inside you? You want to know you're saved? Listen to me. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Recognize you're a sinner, folks. That's why he died. Because you're a wretch. You need to be cleansed. Okay? The blood was shed for you. So you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Okay, you're making a confession. Okay, with the heart man believes. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I don't care where you are. Do it out loud, folks. Don't be ashamed. Say, Lord, I want salvation. I'm confessing you. I want the Holy Ghost. I want to be born again. Get real with God, folks. And there's a promise. Whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. Doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Greek. That means Gentile. Okay, so this, this gospel is for everybody. If you're Jewish, you, you need to be saved as much as any Gentile, and you need to come through the same Jesus Christ that I believe in today. I'm not going to tell you, you you're chosen outside of Christ. You're not. <laughs> you're coming through Christ, or you're not coming at all. There's a heaven and there's a hell. Without Christ, you'll die in your sins and go to hell. That applies to Jew and Gentile. So this is the real deal you're hearing, uh, folks. It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You need to be saved. You want to go to heaven, you need to be saved. You get saved before you die, not after you die. Nobody's going to pray you out of purgatory. The make-believe place doesn't exist. So that's the way Satan works. He wants you to think that somebody's going to pray you out of this place called purgatory. He wants you to think that your good works are going to save you. They're not. They're not, folks. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You need Christ. That's why he died for you. It's good news, folks. So I'm going to leave it right there. You have a great and blessed day.